Saying to us boys, I won't have a problem if you aim high and miss, but I'm going to have a real issue if you aim low and hit. That you get nothing for coming in last. And by the way, you can't just have it because you want it. He said, when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. Guys, welcome back. Season two, episode seven of Lucrative Lessons. You got your boy Kyle Barger from Columbus, Ohio. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Trey from Denver, Colorado. Trey from Denver, Colorado. And today we want to talk to you about when you start your business, what can you do other than give up equity in your company? Now, I know it's so easy that when uh, you're starting a business, a lot of times it's with friends or people you trust, colleagues, uh, but things can get hairy down the road. When you're having a few drinks and throwing business ideas around, or if it's somebody you've done business with for a long time and you say, hey, man, you know what? Let's break off. Let's start our own thing. It's easy to kind of fall in love and get those delusions of grandeur and to just start off and say, hey, let's just be 50-50 partners and make this thing work. Well, I can tell you from my experience, and Trey has his own experiences of business partners that have not worked out and some business partners that we just got really lucky through a roll of the dice that our personalities fit well and that our work ethics aligned and our goals aligned and all these things happen. So for the the savvy uh, business owner, this is something that they've learned through probably a lot of trials and tribulations and a lot of expensive lawyers and you know uh, operating agreements and things like that. But for the common entrepreneur and the person who's listening to this podcast, these are probably things you haven't considered. So before you go into that business and just high five your pal and say, hey, let's be 50-50 partners or you know go three ways into this thing and just split it up evenly. There's a lot of things you can should consider before that. So let's talk about the first one. What equity is? Equity in your company is ownership, voting rights. It's the ability to take profits out. It is essentially a controlling stake in your business. Now, if this is your business and somebody else owns 50% of it, that means it's also their business and you guys are going to have a jump ball every single time. And what that means is if you disagree on anything, there is no governing body to um, decide who's right and who's wrong other than taking this to court. And that's why sometimes having operating agreements are extremely helpful because it'll outline some of the things in these uh, disagreements or ways to mediate uh, disagreements. Or you can just take the even easier route and don't give up equity in your company. So a lot of times when people need uh, funding early on, you're looking for investors, you're talking to venture capital companies. Yes, all these companies uh, will will meet with you and and make it seem like they're so interested in your growth and the ability to help you. But what they really want to see is how much of their of your company can they gain and how big of a return can they get on their investment. So a couple of things you can think of are: can you do profit sharing with folks? Somebody I really look up to in our business is very good at doing this. Instead of him just giving equity in his company or selling a portion of his company to investors or to a VC or or third-party companies, he'll give them the opportunity for profit sharing. And what I like about this move is it allows somebody to invest in your company and the more they work and the harder they work, the bigger the piece of the pie. So if they can put points on the board and add value to you, to your customers, to your bottom line, that's more of the profit that they're going to share in. So they still get a vested part of your company. To me, this works very well with employees because as employees grow with you, you want them to have buy-in to your overall mission. Giving them profit share allows them to work harder for the bottom line, to think bigger picture, to think like a business owner. And if the company has a great year, they have a better year. If the company doesn't have as good of a year, they don't have as good of a year. 
Also, that doesn't give them voting rights and the important things. And if so, and if said employee decides they want to leave the company, they now lose the profit share that they had, as opposed to you having to buy them out in the equity or them being uh, essentially an owner in your company. So I love the idea of going down the profit share route. Yeah, I, I couldn't say it more, um, especially early on. A lot of times we talk about employees like you're talking about right now. Um, you may not have an opportunity to pay employees what a market rate might be able to do from like a Fortune 500 company. So a lot of times you have to incentivize them in other ways to saying, hey, the profitability kind of grows with you. Right. So that's a way you can get them a little more motivated within the company. Um you know, and really early on, these early stages, these fundamental ideas that you're talking about, I think it's so key to identify maybe a few positions within the company, uh, just a few roles that you can see clearly, like, hey, there's going to be accounting, there's going to be um, sales, there's going to be marketing, there's going to be a little bit of legal, right? What are we going to define those roles? Who's going to be responsible for taking care of those things? So if you only have two people, guess what? If me and Kyle are going into business, I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to take care of marketing. I'm going to take care of IT and I'm going to take care of systems. Okay. And then Kyle's going to say, okay, I'm responsible for sales, legal, and X, Y, and Z, right? Whatever roles we're going to be defining. So early on, you need to make sure you have these, what we call areas of responsibility or you know, defined whenever you're building this company up. That way, whenever you're talking about vesting, saying, hey, the value we think this role truly is, not you, but the role that is being executed for the company um, can can easily be uh, diluted, not diluted, but um, defined for how much equity it brings to the company, the asset of the company. That's really what the definition of equity is, is how... Uh, D defining the assets, right? Because any, on any type of buyout, um, they do typically what they call a purchase asset agreement to where they're buying pieces or components of your business. They don't buy the whole entity. It's, I mean, it can happen, obviously, but a lot of times they just want that sales piece or they just want that uh, accounting piece or they want, uh, you know, some of your IP, right? They don't care about all this other stuff. So you have to really early on define the asset and what that's going to be worth um, to another company should they want to buy you at some point. So, yeah, and that that's actually a great point, Trey. That kind of leads us into another really important uh, concept here is if you're a startup and you don't have any capital, and just like Trey said, if you need, if, if you can't just hire out some of this work and you need to trade profitability or equity for personnel or for services or for some of these things, that's where a lot of times when a company comes in and buys that company, they're going to say, hey, you gave accounting 10% equity of your company. We don't need that. We don't need that guy. We have our own accounting firm, right? Mm -hmm. Or you gave this guy 10% equity in your firm because of legal background. We don't need that guy either. So, you know, be very careful. If you do have capital in your startup, make sure the people that you're bringing on for equity, that it isn't something you couldn't just hire out for pennies on the dollar compared to the equity you're giving up. And again, whenever a business is just an idea, the equity isn't worth much, right? The business isn't really making money. It hasn't gotten off the ground. It hasn't done anything yet. But if it's something you really believe in, like just know that that equity might not be worth anything up front, but down the road, that equity could be worth a ton. So now you just gave 10, 20, 30% of your company to somebody for uh, what uh, expensive lawyer or expensive accountant would be up front. Whereas down the road, you know, you might be costing yourself a tremendous amount of money, either having to buy that person out or having less of the profits coming back your way for something that you could now hire for, for such an easier spend. So yes. 
one of the great things you can do is do a responsibility audit. So figure out what your company needs to get off the ground and figure out, okay, uh, if I do need to give up equity or I do need to give up profit sharing to accounting, legal, sales, uh, R&D, um, you know, IT, whatever that work looks like, understand what the fair market would be for somebody to do that versus the valuation of the company. And that's an easier way to figure out, okay, so-and-so is going to get 12% of the company because that's essentially what the company's valued at. Uh, that's what our projection is. And that's what they would cost. Or, Hey man, I can give you 4% of the profit share because otherwise I can go hire somebody, you know, to do the, the work we need part-time or look at that from a timeline down the road. A lot of times startups need the legal work up front, but that's a, a upfront cost that you don't need down the road. So is this something that they're going to be continuing to put in 40 hours a week for, for the next three years, or is it just a 40 hour, you know, one week spend? So doing a bit of a responsibility audit will really help you better understand what profit sharing or equity sharing you're going to be doing up front or over the course of several years. Yeah. And with that being said, we, we talk about the vesting. You've heard that term a few times in here. Really what I've learned from experience, and I can't speak to everyone, but what I would do, let's say me and Kyle go into business uh, next year, right? We're trying to <laughs> at some point, but let's say we, we want to. 100% of the business is going to be wholly owned by the LLC, right? That's what I would propose. I never want um, equity given. We hear that word give a little bit a few times as well. Never give away your equity, right? Never should you own it either because you have yet to prove yourself. So you can do what they call like investing equity stamps to where the business owns 100%. And then if you can, I know this takes a lot of time. There is time you know, to put in up front, but if you can define some key performance areas or uh, indicators, right? Some KPIs, the sales, the sales responsibility, that role, if they make a million dollars, then they are entitled to the equity of 10%, right? Or if they only hit 500,000 and they only get 5%, right? These contracts are out there. They're online. You can pick them up and just have a few KPIs, right? Define a few of those KPIs within the role, Right. And then after a year set, OK, are you entitled to that equity? Did you hit your KPIs? They don't it doesn't have to be a long, drawn out con contract or anything like that. But again, simply how much sales did we have? Did you hit those numbers? OK, that's great. Now you're entitled to that equity. It actually goes to your name now. It's not part of the business anymore. Right? But you still want to leave equity within the business. That way, people can again invest into it and you can bring in more roles and kind of off off put some of the um, the roles that you're going to be doing because you're going to be doing four or five roles at a time. Um, so those are the types of things to really consider up front. Uh, that's a lesson learned for me uh, with several businesses that I've been on uh, is to really make sure that up front for the first year, no one has equity in the, in the business. It's wholly owned by the LLC. And then you have a right to it if you perform. So uh, that's just a, a real key thing that I've learned over the years. And uh, I would highly recommend everyone do that. That way you don't have to get into the disputes. People get tired, especially if they've never done entrepreneurship before. Whenever they're not getting paid the first year, the first six months, they get tired. They don't want to work anymore. They don't want to invest the time early on for that big payoff in the end. They don't understand that it exists. So those are types of things that um, I would really highly consider uh, putting that together up front, put in the extra 10, 20 hours that it's going to take to put that, that contract together to identify your roles and identify your KPIs.
Yeah. You've got two really awesome points there, Trey. So, so the one is always leave some equity for down the road. If you guys start off and you're 50, 50 owners or three of you are own a third of the company, what happens when you need capital down the road or you need to bring somebody else in to help? No one's going to want to give up their equity, right? Everyone's going to, you know, that conversation seems like it's so easy. Like, Oh yeah, we'd all give up like five points each to like bring in, you know, this fourth person or bring in this third person. That's (laughs) so much easier said than done, especially down the road. And this entrepreneur life is not for everybody because typically your business is not going to be printing cash the first year, two years, three years, you're going to be making money and reinvesting it in the company. So a lot of times nobody wants to give up equity because they're like, man, I'm already not making a a killing right off the bat. And I don't want to give up you know, any more than I have to already because I'm, I'm really cutting corners to make ends meet. The, the second thing you talk about too is the KPIs. So if you're a business that has been established and is already making money, you have far more leverage in those KPIs than what you give up. If you are a brand new startup and you haven't made a single dollar yet, you have a lot less leverage in those KPIs because you can say, hey, I'm not giving you any equity until you perform. And the other person at the end of the table is probably going to say, well, there's really not a lot of meat on the bone right now. So like, I don't want my KPIs to really be that intense because I'm not, I'm kind of giving my time right now for uh, equity and something that may or may not work out. Now, if your company is making money and you're putting points on the board, then you better believe you better be very cautious of giving any profit sharing away, giving any equity away. So you better make those KPIs something that are uh, well thought out and something that are measurable, attainable. So listen to our uh, podcast on goal setting, where it'll talk about that. So you can revisit it every month, every quarter, and you can tell so-and-so, Hey, you're not hitting your KPIs. Like you're, you're, you're a long ways off here. Like I really want you to be a part of this company. I want you to get that profit share, that equity, but you know, we're, we're coming up short or Hey, you're, you're, you're killing it, right? You're doing a great job on your KPIs. Like we are on pace. I can't wait for you to be a bigger part of this company. And you know, those are things you really need to figure out. And from my experience, I've had three different business uh, partners over the years. And, you know, in life, we have partners in a lot of sense of the word, but in business, it's a very different animal. So all of these people have been friends of mine to a certain extent. One person who I will name, Lewis, has been my best business partner uh, to date. We are still best friends. I still love talking to this guy on the phone. But if I'm being honest with myself, I just got very lucky that our personalities complemented each other, that... Uh, he didn't have any ego when it came to the business and that he worked really hard. And that complemented exactly what I need, what I was looking for. And when we brought in a third business partner, somebody who seemed on paper to be a fantastic fit, somebody who'd be so passionate about our mission, it was a total train wreck. And it led to one of the most stressful uh, instances in my life of having to watch uh, my first business, my beauty of a business that was my utopian fitness facility, uh, essentially train wreck because, uh, somebody who just had a very different perspective on business, who made decisions, not necessarily based on the ways Lewis and I would make decisions. And it led to just a lot of conflict, a lot of argument and somebody who just didn't really have the business savvy to have, uh, adult mature conversations about business. And it just led to really stressful, uh, conversations. And it led to the downfall of, of the business essentially. And, um, And then my second go around was somebody who I'd been friends with for a long time and somebody that I trusted in the business world. And then I shared uh, some proprietary knowledge about my business and uh, allowed them to, to kind of piggyback off the uh, just the success that we saw at champion trading group. And 
it was somebody who came out of the gate hot to trot, just ready to work hard. And then slowly uh, became more focused on the client and more focused on being uh, not a team player and not putting in the effort and not thinking long-term. And ultimately we ended up losing that person to the client. They wanted the safe play of making money, working for somebody else again and not being an entrepreneur and not grinding and not wanting to uh, sacrifice their paycheck for the betterment of the team to you know raise young talent or to grow a segment of the business that could be very lucrative uh, years down the road. And again, it's just kind of understanding to make sure you're on the same goals, but just like dating too, a lot of times somebody can be the perfect fit on paper, but can you get along with this person? Is there ego? Are there a lot of these, you know, intrinsic variables that don't necessarily show up on a resume or show up in an interview. And that's where having the vesting interest and those KPIs down the road really help you, you know, sniff out if it's going to be a good fit. Yeah, it's easy. Whenever people get derailed, and they will, I, I hell, everyone does. I do um, at, at some points, right? When I want to go work on some other uh, side, not even side business, it might be another business unit within the business that's saying, like, let's go try this, right? When really I should be focused on the overall uh, perspective. But again, if you can identify those early, uh, you can tell that person that's getting sidetracked on clients, right? That's not giving uh, back into the company. If you have a, for, a few indicators that say, hey, you're going to help uh, drive the gross profit of the business to 30% and it's not hitting those marks because you're having to do everything on the other side, right? And you can point to, hey, I did X, Y, and Z. It, it's, it's easy to have that conversation. Look, here's the facts, right? This is what's going on. You know, t- tell me otherwise. Because a lot of times these, the other people in your business don't understand how much you're putting in, right? And so if you can point to those easily, hey, I did X, Y, and Z. I think it's worth X, Y, and Z to the company. Um, I can easily say that I'm on track for what I've earned and or what I think I'm entitled to uh, if the, the equity hasn't been um, uh, promoted to, to the individuals yet. So those are the types of things, again, if you can put in that time up front, really define the roles, the positions, and what they bring to the company, uh, it's an easy conversation, whether you're their friends, family, which we don't ever recommend doing, but if they are your friends and family, you can easily point to the numbers, hard numbers, facts, saying, this is why I'm important for this company, right? Otherwise, you know, I, you're going to have a hard time proving that if they don't want to track it and all that and saying, listen, you know, it's great. It, it may feel like you've been working hard, but you're not bringing value, not bringing an asset to the company. And in the long run, whenever you get purchased, again, people are looking for a purchase asset agreement. Very rarely do they buy the entire organization. They very often just strip out 90% of the components and take the one thing that they need, right? Maybe it's a support center. Maybe it's just the accounting. Again, maybe it's just the, the sales team. They want to just take that small asset. They don't give a a crap about the rest of it and they get rid of them, right? They give them a little severance package and get rid of them. So those are the types of things, you know, really defining that exit strategy too is going to help uh, with what you want to do with the business. And again, attaining that value of what uh, you see in the marketplace of, you know, how important that asset is that you bring to the company. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things that that makes me think of Trey is, is also the going back to goals is, you know, making sure that you and your your equity partners or your your team have the same goals. If one person's like, hey, I'm trying to just dial this up to make this company, to sell this company as soon as possible. And the other one is, hey, I want to build this company and, you know, sell it 10, 10 years from now because I see the exponential growth and I want to build it in a way where 
uh, I don't need to be a part of it, or I do need to be a part of it. I mean, these are all conversations you have to have, which it's ugly, right? It's counterintuitive. It's like sitting down with your girlfriend or your wife and almost talking through the prenup of saying like, Hey, like, how does this look when we get divorced? It's like, no one wants to talk about that, but, but you have to be on the same page when it comes to, you know, what are the goals for the company? What are the goals for our time? And another thing that Trey said that I, I'd be a bit cautious of is don't always factor time in as part of the equation. Now, I know Trey is like a jack of all trades. He can run an entire company by himself. He just runs out of hours in the day, right? So Trey will outwork anyone. And that's why I love, you know, doing everything with Trey where I would, I would go into business with Trey in a heartbeat because of his work ethic. But don't count out the person who has a tremendous amount of experience where they can maybe do a task in 10 minutes that might take somebody else three hours. And there's an age old fable of, uh, this guy is in a machine shop and the, their, their main marquee million dollar machine is acting up. And so they bring in a consultant company and they spend three weeks trying to fix this machine and the bill is $200,000 and uh, they don't cut it. They don't get it done. So then they call this, this guy who's been an expert. They fly him in from Germany and he's like, look, I don't know if I can fix your machine, but I think I can. I'll charge you also $200,000. And he comes in and in 10 minutes, he tightens one screw and the machine is back to humming. And the company feels ripped off. They're, they feel slighted. They feel dumb. They feel like if they would have known how to fix that in 10 minutes, that he's not worth the money. But at the end of the day, he could have saved them three weeks. He could have saved them all this time and money. So, so value experience, guys. Also, if somebody's just spinning their wheels and they're spending 40 hours a week and you're spending 40 hours a week, that doesn't mean they should get half of the equity or half of the profit sharing because they're putting in the same amount of hours. You could maybe outsource somebody to do that job that might be a little bit more expensive, but they're only spending four hours yeah. and you have to give up less equity. So, you know, keep that in mind as well. Yeah. It, not, not one place where I would ever, ever track time for equity partners. I, I mean, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add any value to the business. Now employees, yeah, you may pay, pay them hourly, but I don't care how much you how, how much time you put into it. Yeah. You fix something in five minutes. That's fantastic. Right. Now we can move on to the next thing. Right. Those are the, that what you talk about experience right there is so important for, again, obtaining the end goal, which is that asset that you can bring to someone and say, here, here's this tangible item that I can bring to you, whether it's a process, a procedure, whether it's some sort of IP, if they can bring that to a company that is invaluable. Uh, and if it takes them five minutes, that's great. It's still worth what you'd have to pay someone 200 hours to do, right? Or 200 sure. grand to do, right? So, um, yeah, definitely always consider, again, pointing to that, that line item that says, if you build X component for the business, it's worth what we think is going to be 30% of the business. And once it's built, once you can prove that it's uh, attainable for the business, boom, you, you get vested into it. So totally. it's very simple. And on that note, whether it's employees, whether it's somebody you're talking about giving profit sharing to equity to, I always love having some kind of out clause, whether it's 30 days, 90 days, the longer you can bake into that agreement, the better, because again, you want some kind of eject button where if so-and-so is not delivering what they promise, they're not pulling their weight. It's somebody you just can't get along with. You're realizing that their goals are different than what they told you in your first few meetings, that you have some kind of eject button where they still get something fairly 
compensated for their time for what they've brought to the table, but allows you to maybe go find a better fit or go find a better partner. And the more time you can give yourself, the better. And that's, again, where those KPIs come into play. But even having some type of clause where it's just a, hey, this is my company. It's been 90 days. You know, we've sat down, we've had meetings about this. I just don't think it's going to work out. And, you know, you can pay them fairly for the hours they've put in, uh, but you don't have to give up that equity. You don't have to give up that profit sharing and, and be careful about that. And same thing with employees, even though they don't own any part of your company, you better be really selective with that because it's just like dating. Like you're not going to just settle for somebody who's a six or a seven out of 10 fit for you. That, that's not going to be an ideal partner for your company. That's not going to be an ideal person to help your company grow. So I love having, the, you know, Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll start you off hourly for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, whatever that looks like. And then if it's a good fit, we're going to do the long-term commitment. We're going to do the salary. We're going to bring you on. We're going to look at benefits. We're going to look at some of these other things. So, you know, again, when you're listening to this, it's so easy to just high five your buddy and be like, Hey, let's start this company. And you know, I don't know how it's going to work, but let's be 50, 50. A lot of times people who are successful at this, they go through several of those before they learn the lessons that we're telling you about right now. So I know it can seem vain and crass and, and a bit uh, you know, unemotional, but it's going to save you so much heartache down the road, especially if you do have that first business take off and you, know, you find yourself pulling all the weight, but only getting half the return. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better. Um, so you know, guys, I, I, we always value feedback too. So as you guys are listening to this, if you do want to uh, provide any kind of lessons that you've uh, got from starting up early businesses from, um, you know, kind of that sweat equity position, you know, we're always interested in hearing about it as well. So, um, this is, this is really for me, like the crux of every business of defining, I know if I ever want uh, a marketing guy, I know who to go to. I know who my sales guy is, right? He's sitting right in front of me right here on the screen, right? If I ever need a sales guy, that's who I'm going to. If I ever need my legal, I know who to go to, right? So as you start to um, build these businesses, you're going to know your go-to guys, right? But there's still going to be gaps. Just be careful whenever you're issuing equity. Again, you still have to make sure people are hitting their uh, their performance. So I'd be interested to hear what other people have and... Uh, you know, hit us up whenever you get a chance. Yeah. And for me, the best way to do that is on social media. So I'm more active on Instagram than anything else. You can find me at man of steals. Um, send me a DM, send me comments, you know, whatever examples you have, I would be more than happy to take a look at, try to give you some insight and the stuff that we hear on a regular basis. That's what we create podcasts of when we're talking to young entrepreneurs, to students at universities, as we're talking to people who are trying to get their businesses up and going, the common themes that come up in their world are what we do recordings of, or the common themes that are coming up in our lives where we're like, oh man, I wish I had that advice, you know, three years ago. That, <laughs> that's the type of stuff that we want to help, you know, save a few pain points. And, you know, even sometimes for us, it's easier when we can try to teach others about it to really ingrain those same thoughts in, in our own heads. So hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be coming to you here uh, in another couple of weeks for the next episode. We'll talk to you next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Lucrative Lessons. We hope you learned something today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes. If we earned your five-star review, please leave one. Helps for visibility. Also, you can check out more at llpcast.com. All proceeds go to our 501c3 nonprofit, the Make-A-Day Foundation, where you can find more at makeaday.fun. We'll catch you next time.